The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings, who are entirely responsible for its content. Sorry, guys, you are on your own. This is the Federal Football Report, a weekly wrap-up of all things burgundy and gold. The Federal Football Report on Federal News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a special feature on the Federal Football Report. Uh, I feel like every show we do is special because Kevin is special. As a matter of fact, I call him Special Kevin. And and I feel like I'm special. But we've got Liz Clark on the show. That's right. Sports reporter, Washington Post, Liz Clark. Pick up her NASCAR book, One Hell of a Ride. Listen, um, we're going to talk about the movie King Richard. It's so important that Kevin actually watched this movie and is going to review the movie. Right. I'm sorry, fans. I actually had to watch this movie. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. I'm yeah. glad I Yeah, 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 because you're going to enjoy this, right? Because it's, first of all, go see it. Go see it. Since I saw it, yeah. you got to go see it. Exactly. You got to go see it. But Kevin, I don't want you to, I don't want you to give your review, re- review now. They have, they have to listen oh. to the federal football report to get that. This That's is a right. special feature. And so we're right. going to go in with Liz Clark, who watched this movie as well, and she's going to tell us her thoughts on, uh, on, uh, on the movie. Uh, and let's, let's just jump right in. Welcome back to the Federal Football Report, 1500 AM. And also, if you don't want us on the radio, you can listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Just uh, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Again, your normal podcast platform, if you can find the show. Kevin Stanfield, I don't know if we've had such a moment as this on the show. I mean, we've had big moments on the show, but we've got Liz Clark, ladies and gentlemen. And this might be the biggest moment ever, Kevin. What do you think? Biggest. I don't know. This is so big that, that I'm... Rendered speechless. Now, you know that's big, right? <laughs> we have a big topic. We have a big topic. We don't have a big guest. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, no, in order to cover a big topic, we need a big guest like Liz Clark, Washington Post, and we're talking about the movie. Uh, and, and this topic, this uh, topic is so big. You know, usually Kevin, you know, will will um, uh, review a movie that he hasn't seen. He had to right. see this one to review it. That's how big this uh, this movie is. We're talking about King Richard, um, uh, the story of Venus and uh, Serena uh, uh, Williams. And I can't think of anyone else other than Liz Clark to have on to talk about this uh, movie. But Kevin, you saw the movie. Liz, have you seen the movie yet? I have. I saw a screening uh, last week and I interviewed Isha Price, who's an elder sister. Um, about and she's also an executive producer as our Venus and Serena. Um, so I learned so much. Actually, I spoke with Isha before I got to see the screening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a story. I think it's um, I think it's going to be in Sunday's post. Uh, in addition to the fabulous Ann Hornaday that maybe your listeners know, she she will do. She has done actually the the post review of the film. And mine is more a story based on Isha and the pro- a little bit of the process of the film. Nice, nice. Here's what's interesting, too. Uh, so, I mean, we can go, we can see the movie. Um, you know, you've covered tennis. You've covered, obviously, Venus and Serena Times. Um, for, for, so for me, when it comes to athletics, like, you know, and you mark time, like, we know golf pre-Tiger. We know golf post-Tiger. Share a little bit about tennis pre the Williams sisters and like what they did for women's tennis and and and, and oh, U.S. women's tennis. Yeah, what a great place to start. So, um, I didn't cover. Well, no, actually, I did. I mean, I didn't cover tennis for the Post, 
um, before Venus and Serena. Uh, in, in previous jobs at, at a younger age, I would do the occasional tennis tournament. But sure. I did cover a few women's tennis tournaments. But, but I mean, it. I, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but you really have to use superlatives in almost every conversation about the significance of Venus, Serena, Richard Williams, or Orsine Price. Um, and it is not remotely hyperbole to say that Venus and Serena just revolutionized the women's game mm-hmm. um, with, you know, and, and I, I don't want to talk about them as if they're a single entity, because as individuals, they're, they're quite different personalities and their games are quite different. Um, but I mean, you, if, if Serena had never come along, you would still say Venus Williams revolutionized women's tennis. I mean, with the power, the aggressiveness, you know, take the ball early. And then Serena comes with the best serve the women's game has ever seen. Um, and this fight, this incredible fight, you know, the only one who even came close to that fight was Sharapova. And it mattered not because I think her career record is like one in 18 against Serena, <laughs> more lopsided. But I mean, so I, I, I'm sorry to not make complete sentences here, but they completely <laughs> changed the game. And, and and I'm not even speaking about the look of the game, the, the complete significance of powerful black faces who are confident and open up the sport um, in ways that it desperately needed. And, and we're seeing some of the legacy, even though they are still playing at 40 and 41, you are seeing, you know, a cohort of young black women, women of color in their young twenties who had posters of them, you know, on their wall and who will talk very frankly, Coco Goff, you know, seeing you, seeing you uh, succeed made me know there was a place for me in this sport. And this sport hasn't always sent that message, either overtly or subtly. So it's profound. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Uh, you spoke to the impact that they had. Uh, one of the things, and I, I don't want to be a spoiler, uh, you know, about the film, but one of the things that struck me was the impact Richard Williams had not only with his, uh, with the way he brought along uh, Venus and Serena, but his disdain for the way the 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 tennis kid mill, if you would, and the, and the way that the parents were, were forcing their kids into this. He brought them along, but it's like the other parents, the way they were portrayed, were dragging their kids along. So speak a little bit to, to what uh, youth tennis was like then and, and what it's like now, if anything has changed. Yeah, that is so astute, because I really think that is, um, that is, is, really the the soul or the backbone of of Richard's significance. I mean, it first of all, I don't think any sports writer in the last 20 years has written adequately or found the words to describe how stunning it was um, the Richard's achievement. and and I must say Orsine Price. The mom, if if people don't respect her, they will after seeing this film. I mean, this could have been called Absolutely. to me um Queen Orsine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she does she doesn't talk 
quite so much in the movie, but boy, when she does, look out. And and she has she deserves a lot of credit for building Serena's game because one, I mean, a, a lot of these facts I knew, but the film really underscored and and added depth to what it meant to my vague understanding that yes, Serena is 13 months younger than Venus. Venus was first to be number one. Venus had the first thing. But you feel in the film what that meant, how that felt to Serena to be in Venus's shadow. She really, you know, was secondary. I mean, she's fifth in birth order, but in terms of the tennis prominence, I mean, she she was kind of left behind. And Oracine was like, well, you know, we're going to the courts and, and we're going to work on your serve. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I totally digress. But back to what Richard did and your very important um, theme of the tennis factory, um, both in the U.S. and I think overseas, by which most tennis pros train, particularly, you know, and it, it happens at a different age um, with different vulnerability when you're talking about women's tennis and men's tennis. Um, but uh, yeah, so so clearly I haven't found the words to talk about the achievement that um, these parents, first of all, I didn't know that Richard had developed this 78 page plan for building a tennis champion. He mm-hmm. wrote this like manifesto of how he was gonna do it before they were born, before Venus and Serena are born. And so he follows this. And as they're, and he drills with them every day, he coaches them every day. He he was not schooled in tennis, but he studied video, he studied film, and then he taught them every day on these very rough courts in Compton, which is a whole nother dimension of their life that I, I hope people understand. Um, and the film does a great job painting that picture. And... Boy, there's just so much to say. So it's not <laughs> just about the the um, the speed, the running, the quickness, the the attack the ball early, the aggressiveness. It's not about the not strictly the strokes he taught them. He and his wife managed to know when to put the foot on the gas and when to lift it to preserve their joy and their passion mm-hmm. for this yes. game. And it is stunning that they are still not only loving one another as a family, but they are still competing at 40 and 41. I mean, not yeah. not obsessively, but they are cherry picking. And anytime that, you know, a slam comes up, you know, beware. You don't want them in their draw. And they bring this fire. So to, to preserve that joy, and I'm not saying the the sisters don't have that joy in them, but when you talk about burnout and the many cautionary tales that mm-hmm. women's tennis is littered with between mm-hmm. Jennifer Capriati, who is a, a small but significant figure in the yeah. film that yes. is held up like, ooh, you know, by Rick Macy, the coach who really took the plunge on, on Venus, Venus and Serena both. But so his, his, the main gold star on his resume is he, he crafted Jennifer Capriati to the extent her dad didn't. Um, and, and in the early going, he's holding Capriati up to, to Richard as, you know, Venus could be this. And as the film goes on, Richard's like, well, yeah, I, I, that's not the path we want our yeah. child to follow. <laughs> that is not it. And that's right. so he was, he was so wise and 
and I'm not finding the words to underscore how bold and unheard of it was to to yank your kid out of the junior tennis competition factory. I mean, not only were they not training in these voluntary academies, these these big academies where you drill a million forehands over and over and over and over. Um, Venus started out competing in the junior circuit and she was crushing everybody in sight. And, and he looked around as a dad. I mean, first of all, you get the vibes in these country club places. Uh, here comes the black family. This is not, you know, the normal site at, at this club or in this 12 and under tournament. And, you know, not a lot of words are said about that, but you get that vibe that, you know, the family got that vibe. And Richard has a great line, like he's he's parading, you know, and all five girls came in support of Venus and Serena. At this point, it was just Venus because she started competing first. They all come, family of seven. And they're, they're getting these stares. And I believe Richard says to his family, they're just not used to seeing such a beautiful family here. <laughs> it's just his wit and his his unerring radar to call BS when people don't even know they're saying BS. You know, they think they're they're smarter than mm -hmm. Richard Williams. You know, and he had a a range of responses of just mocking, laughing, and going at somebody, including a journalist he didn't like the tactics of. But it was extraordinary, and and he was called on it, you know, by successful elite coaches saying, you are going to destroy your daughter's career. She'll never get to be a pro if you yank her out of the junior ranks. And uh, who, you know, Enough said. And it works. It goes as it goes. <laughs> Never yeah, enough said. Absolutely either. works. You know what's interesting too is, um, you know, when you talk about uh, uh, Richard, you know, and 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 even their mom, and I think about other um, parents of elite athletes from Earl Woods, uh, even Levar Ball. Um, you know, these parents who give all and will do all, sacrifice all to put their kids on this platform. But there is also that stage parent, you know, who. Um, who maybe crosses that line? I don't. I, I, what What is the line? You know, like what is the what is the line where a parent is going too far or, or versus doing anything it takes to get their kid to uh, fulfill their potential? I, I love that question, and I I I'm sure all of us could take a shot based on our life experience at answering it. And I, I I'm not at all sure. Uh, you know, my answer is better than a shot. Mm -hmm. But I, from what I've seen, it has entirely to do with, is the parent living out a, a personal dream, living out their dream through the kid? Mm -hmm. And that's a piece of it. That's a trouble sign. And and the death knell, or, or when it becomes psychologically damaging, is if the kid doesn't have the genuine joy in it. You know, that the, 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 the kid is not invested. That when it's raining and the dad says, okay, let's get in the van and go hit some balls, the kid is like, no, <laughs> and like running and hiding. And um, I'm not saying there wasn't a day like that in the sister's lives, but I, I, I'm not sure there wasn't. I mean, <laughs> they wouldn't be playing at this age if it wasn't their joy and at the same time it's never been their identity it's their identity 
to to you and me and our list and your listeners, Mm -hmm. but they have always done other things, whether it's design clothes, take languages, you know, take courses, work, you know, Mm -hmm. they they have other interests. And I think that's probably part of their longevity. You know, their their parents made clear you are going to be number one in the world. I see that in you and you're going to do it. But don't think for a minute that that's why we love you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the sole reason mm-hmm. we love you. Mm-hmm. We love you. And you are an excellent, um, fierce, intelligent woman. Not because not you win matches, because that's who you are. Um, but you're also going to be great at, you're going to be the greatest ever at this. Um, so, yeah, the sport is so littered with cautionary tales. And some some of the short, short, tragically short careers in women's tennis were overuse injuries, were just physical injuries. You know, um, I believe Tracy Austin, and I shouldn't even say that's an overuse injury, but, you know, she had a back injury, I believe. And, and you know, Sharapova's career ended I think early because of multiple shoulder surgeries. And then there was the drug conviction. She never conviction is the wrong word. There was a performance enhancing drug. She, mm-hmm. um, I believe she said she wasn't aware she was taking or she wasn't aware it was on the banned list. Nonetheless, she never really returned to form after that suspension. Um, not to say she really is a cautionary tale because I think she, she was all in, you know, it was her, although she had a very domineering dad. Um, but when, when the joy is not there with the child and, you know, one of the most heartbreaking moments of, of recent memory for me covering a sporting event was this recent U S open after Naomi Osaka lost her match when, and, you know, whenever she speaks, it's in the most soft, gentle tones. You really have to lean in to hear her. She's not one for drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, although she has explained that speaking to the media causes her stress, the the paradox is every time she speaks, she just opens her heart. She mm-hmm. shares so much. She's so, and she's so, she's so brilliant. She's smart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like more, you know, more, but, but what tore at me and this is echoed in my mind is. And she said, you know, I'm going to step away from the sport for a while because winning no longer gives me joy. And when I lose, I'm only sad. Yeah. When she, when she said that, that winning only, she doesn't feel happy. She just feels relief. Like, I'm just glad I didn't lose. That's like, whoa. Thank you, Claude. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what she said. That's exactly, yeah, exactly how she said that. That's exactly how she said I just yeah. feel relieved when I win. Like, I'm not happy. I'm just, ha- I'm just I'm relieved that I didn't it's, lose. Yes. And, it, it, you know, whether you're her mother, sister, or just a, a fan, that's got to rip you inside out. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and the only response is, hon, you know, let's, it, you're right step away and let's you just find that that joy because she has so much to offer the world and um not to say there's it's at all for the same reasons but i think a real key to venus and serena's longevity is um 
the fact that they too stepped away at moments in their careers and they took a lot of crap for it by um, both people in the sport and journalists basically saying, you can be the greatest ever, why are you taking a pause? But they also had their beloved sister slain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was murdered in, in 2003 uh, mm-hmm. when their careers were at their zenith. So they did take a break, you know, and they've taken other breaks. And, and I think the world is catching up to them and, and to Naomi that, and, and other athletes have said the same, um, you know, I'm not a machine. I, I, you, you may look at me as Superman or Superwoman, and I can physically do things you couldn't dream of, but I have a soul, you know, I have a soul right, right. And, and, and I have frailty and I have fear and anxiety. And on top and of that, too, Kevin, and I'll jump to you in a second, Kevin, but and on top of that, add to that list, I also owe you nothing. Like, I play this sport, yeah. you get to enjoy it, and, and, and I give my all, and please enjoy it, watch, love it, cheer, and I'll give you what you want, but I, I, don't, owe, I don't owe you my soul. I don't owe you my mental health. I'm going to do this and enjoy it, but when I need a pause, I can pause. I don't owe you more than that. Love that. Yes. Absolutely. We're talking with the fabulous Liz Clark here on the Federal Football Report. We'll we will talk football because Liz no, has no. has, you know, <laughs> made some noise, if you would <laughs> uh in the in the NFL as well, made some noise. That's that's very, very um you know, that's not what Liz is monumental. Oh, <laughs> Liz is no, Kevin, quick, quick, quick. I love making some noise. I mean, it's a metaphor because I think, you know, I, I think all all girls and women should stop, you know, and, and, and when they want to be heard. And, you know, I'm not a columnist. I'm not the fabulous Sally Jenkins. No one, you know, I, I'm not paid for my opinion. So I'm a reporter, but I, I, I do. I do aspire to write stories that, you know, shine light on things or or um, show a side of something maybe people don't know. Um, yeah, well, look, as a, as a husband and father father of three daughters, who oh, yeah. all would agree with you that making some noise <laughs> is a good thing, right? You if you if you're not being heard, make some more noise, right? That's that's the thing. Well, let me um a- ask you this about um. I'm going to share a story. Uh, when the Tennis uh, and Learning Center opened in 2001 at, um, uh, down in southeast Washington, a good friend, Michael Wilbon, told me about it, and he gave me an invitation. And I took my then uh, 12-year-old daughter with me, my oldest daughter, and because I had a press pass, I got to go inside the building. And as we were coming in, Serena, uh, Venus and Serena well, coming out, my daughter was there, and we had no idea we'd get this close to it. My daughter was there with an autograph book, and so, uh, Venus saw her and walked over to her and took the autograph book out of her hand and signed, didn't say a word, just smiled. And the TV cameras saw this happen, and all of them converged on my daughter, interviewed her about what it was like meeting uh, Venus Williams. And she just said, she means a lot to me. I want to be just like her when I grow up, right? So, and... There was something I saw, like I said, she didn't say a word, but it was just that that peace that that it wasn't like she was obliged to do it. 
It was she was genuinely happy to do it. And uh, Serena was around, but I think Serena had somewhere else she'd rather be at that time. She she was just <laughs> she was just there. But but speak to the, the the personality of 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 a Venus Williams where you could be so confident. And I guess this was part of the teaching of, of Richard: be confident, but be humble, because because you're no better than them. You're just a better tennis player than them. So so speak to to that attitude of, of the Williams sisters toward uh, 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 the media and toward the sport that that could have been hostile to them at times until it learned to embrace them. That's a beautiful point, and I hope. I hope your listeners will see the film. I think you can do so on HBO in some yes. format, but it's also in theaters today. Um, and and if so, they'll see see what a a pillar that was of of Richard and and Oracine's uh, you know belief in the way their children should handle themselves, um, world number one or not. Uh, so. You know, all athletes that I've covered, I mean, best in the world across all sports, from Deion Sanders, you know, briefly at, at uh, the, the local team, uh, the, the ones you really think of it as extraordinary uh, to, to the Williams sisters to have a, a competitive persona. And so... Say Nadal is a great example if you're a tennis fan. You know, I know so many casual, I mean, you know, I have friends who are not sports writers who just are quite sure Nadal is like a mean, rough guy because of the vamos and, you know, his comportment is so intense on court. And he is the most humble, gentle, gracious, thank you, you know, person. Uh, Dion, everybody is quite sure he's all about show and ego and the, you know, he, he was, he was brilliant at branding before people knew what branding was. I mean, he was such a pioneer, but to see him in the locker room, to see him at practice day in and day out, he was one of the most hardworking athletes I have ever seen. He was there early. He had his personal trainer. He did his workout before the workout. He was. It, this was the year that LeVar Arrington was a rookie. He went out of his way to mentor LeVar, to, to build some semblance of team uh, unity in the locker room, to keep guys in the locker room, you know, which the, the team had never had that. I mean, the, such a... Uh, a really giving person as a teammate, but, you know, lights on different guy. This is, I'm totally going way around your question, but Venus um, and, and Isha um, in describing, so Isha, who went to Howard, by the way, uh, their elder sister, executive producer, once the family signed on to, to sort of be part of this film, you know, they appointed Isha to be on set every day, to be the resource to the um, director, screenwriter, all the actors who who wanted advice about how something might have gone or sounded. Or um, and and the, the the two young actors who played Venus and Serena at roughly 
I guess we see them between ages 12 and 14. So, so they're, they're young, young actors. Um, Isha told a great story about uh, working with the young woman who plays Venus. She said, I guess something about the way she was carrying herself caught her eye. And, and Isha said, oh, no, no, no. She said, Venus always had a regal bearing. She always walked like royalty. So you hold that head up, pick that head up, you know, head does wow. not go down. And I knew exactly, she painted that picture for me too. It's like Venus is quite tall and a lot of tall young teenage girls kind of try to make themselves smaller. Like they're so mm-hmm. Venus mm-hmm. is always at 14, full height, full, you know, I'm from Compton. Um, you can disregard me at your peril, but my head is up, my beads are on, and look out, here I go. You know, that but so understated, right? And um, and, and Venus, I've never seen her uh, ugly to anyone on court. I've never seen her anything less than gracious, than soft-spoken. I've been part of untold interviews where some reporters ask questions that make you cringe as a reporter, make your eyes roll, you know, and, and she just floats above, you know, and just, you know, has this way of compartmentalizing. She's just genius in what's going to bother her and what's not. And we'll probably never know it, you know, mm-hmm. because Isha also said, um, after she's describing chin up, hon, um, that of course Venus was nervous and she she had doubts, but she never let anyone see that. And that was from our father. You you present yourself this certain way. Now I think we all would say Venus. I mean Serena is quite a different persona. We have seen her erupt mm-hmm. in pressure cauldron moments at the U.S. Open uh, in profane ways. In and we've also seen her be cheated out of points and and being treated quite questionably by linesmen or chair umpires. So I'm not saying there wasn't cause, but she is more, I'm letting it out. You know, if you, (laughs) and, and I will deal, I will own what, what follows. Um, But in terms of interacting with young people, like your daughter, um, just nothing but class and dignity uh and and every family member that i've dealt with is has consistently absolutely been incredibly gracious um yeah you know and it's interesting because you talk you know um about you know venus you know being first obviously serena coming up after her was there any indication just from from you know your observations from watching them and even in the movie that Venus learned a lot from that Serena learned a lot from Venus, even though when it comes to accolades and stuff, she surpassed her, you know, obviously, but that she learned a lot, you know, from her sister as far as, you know, uh, playing the game, or was it just much like their personalities, just two separate styles of games, learning habits, or was she almost like following Venus's footsteps and just kind of surpassed and skyrocketed over? This is a great question. And, and I, I'm going to have to cheat here and paraphrase Will Smith because so I hope you and your readers will find, I'm trying to figure out how I found it. It's on the internet. Uh, it's a, like a 45 minute interview oh, nice. that, that's online that Will Smith does. 
at his home around this red table. I guess he does a series of them. He invites guests. So for this film, he did 45 minutes. The first section is an interview with Venus and Serena. And then he brings in um, uh, Lindrea and Isha, the other two sisters, and Oracine. So it's, it's everybody's there. Um, and I believe he asked almost exactly your question, Claude, oh. kind of, uh, Serena, what did you learn from Venus? And Venus, what did you and learn from Serena? So it, it, they both had fascinating answers. Um, <laughs> Serena, but see it for yourself, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm doing this, not giving it the full <laughs> heft of, of, and adorableness of, of, of their answers, but <laughs> Serena was like, "Yeah, I studied Venus all the time, so I, I, I learned a lot of lessons about how to handle myself, but I can't say I ever put them into practice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I couldn't do it, you know. So she, she saw things in Venus. She really wanted to model, and she will tell you today, it's like a lot. She just wasn't in her. And, and Venus, typically so gracious, older sister." She, I mean, she credits Serena with so much, so much. And she said, yes, I was first. Yes, I was, uh, you know, first to, to, to win these tournaments. But it wasn't till I watched Serena compete that I really understood what ferocity meant, what fighting and what hunger was. And that wasn't as natural to me as it was to Serena. And, she, and I, I found it, you know, I, she pushed me to pull that out. And she said, I wouldn't have been half as accomplished as I was without watching my, she didn't call her my younger sister, but that's what, that's what it is, you know. Um, but there, there's long been this dynamic among the sisters and, and, and the moms. It's kind of a running joke that Serena is the baby and like she gets extra rope to act out and, you know, and they all, they're, it's like, it takes the whole family to like keep Serena going. And again, the age difference is only 13 months, but there's right. such a, a, an interesting difference in the, in the performance. Um, and I was always wondering about that dynamic. Cause I mean, even, so, yeah. you know, I mean, even look at, you know, um, LeVar and LaMelo Ball, like when you see the older mm. brother, or older sister, the older sibling kind of paving the way, and then the younger one comes, you know, you see all this potential and you're like, whoa. And sometimes it pans out. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about even, you know, in football, Michael Vick, you know, he had his brother Marcus and Marcus wasn't as good as Michael, but there are times where the younger one, you know, supersedes and, you know, I'm thinking Venus, you know, once Serena gets to five grand slams, you're like, ah, she's got five already. <laughs> and I've got seven. And she, you know, what am I going to, you know, but I guess that competition is healthy, but, you know, it's just interesting to see that that dynamic to me, you know, kind of play yes. out. Yeah. Yes. And they say, and I have seen, it's just so hard to believe that they remain each other's biggest fans, that they were contemporaneously, wow. that there was no, no, uh, resentment on Venus's part is Serena hit seven, eight, nine, ten, and now we're at twenty-three. <laughs> you know they are in as is possible. They are in one another's box. You know, of course, deeply oh, invested oh. in their matches. Absolutely love it, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we get Liz Clark on because Kevin and I can stay in the shallow end of the pool, or we can do that all day. But when you want to <laughs> go deep, you got to bring on someone who goes deep. 
And that's why we've got Liz Clark. Liz, you are the best. Thank the you so best. much. You can't see. I'm blushing and I'm laughing. You're out of control. <laughs> it has been my joy and my privilege. And uh, and I want to hear from you guys. I talk too much because I want to hear no. what Kevin thought of the movie. And Claude, when you see it, I want to hear what you thought of the movie. Absolutely. Like what was surprising, what touched you, what moved you. I mean, there was stuff that made me cry. There's yeah. stuff I, I intellectually knew. But to see it and feel it, it's like, oh, my God, I really, I know a bit about Compton. I know it was rough their beginning. But seeing a bedroom with five girls sharing one bedroom, it's just like one little window of that's where they came from. And they love each other as much today as they ever did. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever doubted why we call this Clark the great Liz Clark, the wonderful Liz Clark, the awesome Liz Clark, uh, and you don't understand why we do that after listening to this interview, something's wrong with you. That's Nothing's right. wrong with Liz. Nothing's There's wrong with doubt. us. Something's <laughs> wrong with you, okay? <laughs> As the kids say nowadays, big facts, okay? Something's wrong. But you know, we, nothing's wrong with you because you're listening to us, so it shows you you have a higher echelon. But Liz is the greatest of the great, man. It's just yeah, so yeah. awesome that she would take time out of her day uh, for you. She didn't do it for yeah. me and Claude. Mm -hmm. She did it for you guys, right? You know, right. so I hope you appreciate the jewel, the treasure that is Liz Clark. There you go, folks. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Federal Football Report. We'll be back. Uh, and it's so funny. After going deep with Liz like this and talking about the Williams sisters and, and, and King Richard, I almost don't even want to talk about the football team Sunday, <laughs> but we'll do it because that's what these people pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. All right, folks, so we'll be back in a few days to, to talk about the Washington football team and the Carolina Panthers. All right, and as Cam Newton once said, I'm back. <laughs> or we will be back, as Arnold Schwarzenegger once said. Right. When we do the That's show, right. I'll do the Cam Newton. I'm back. All right, folks. <laughs>